This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for making this a part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope you've had a good weekend. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed yesterday. Slightly shorter show, of course. Apologies when I have to do these kind of in condensed formats. We'll be going on a little bit longer than usual. Um, this morning, um, certainly because I was in the office yesterday, I'm not today. Um, so it means that we can have a, a more in-depth chat and I can go through a lot more of your questions in more detail. Uh, but good morning to those joining us live. Uh, make sure to drop a like, subscribe, all that lovely stuff. Kaiser, good morning to you. To Blackshine, to Darren, to Dave, to Amira, to Cody, to Henko. Good morning to PJ. Uh, Nameka, good morning to Martin, uh, Stevie, Lars, Guna, Jake, Matt G, Red Star, Louis, Wendy, Karada, Errol, Mr. E, Josh, uh, Justin, good morning to you, to Morgie, to Olu, to Kevin, and to Granddaddy, Guna, Paul, Stuart, Stephen, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you, everyone. And Mr. E, for continuing your membership with the channel. It means a lot. Thank you for supporting us. It is very much appreciated. And thank you for continuing with the TGT family. Um, we, of course, have now got less than a week until the first Premier League game of the season. Arsenal taking on Nottingham Forest on Saturday. We've still got to get through a few more days, though, before we can turn our attention to that. And with the transfer window still open, of course, there's plenty more work to be done in the window. So without further ado, let's waste no time and talk through today's stories. We begin with Nicolas Pepe. Nicolas Pepe, according to reports in Turkey, has now indeed agreed a contract with Besiktas. And supposedly, all that it is now is to wait for negotiations between Arsenal and his representatives to come to an agreement over the termination of his contract. That is where we're at right now. And despite reports previously suggesting that talks with Besiktas had broken down, this seems to have gone a whole 180 in the space of just a few more days and now it seems that Pepe is, is ever closer to finally moving on from Arsenal. Does that mean that Arsenal may therefore then move for a forward? Because the focus has been trying to get players out, and the faster we get players out, the more 
business it seems that Arsenal might be able to do regarding incoming. So let's wait and see if it has any impact on that. And speaking of potential forwards leaving the club, it appears that Nantes, the French side, have succeeded in their hijack of a loan for Marquinhos. It had been previously understood that Olympiacos were the side that Marquinhos would be moving to on loan, but suggestions in France are that Nantes instead are the side that are looking to try and bring in Marquinhos. Now, there has been suggestions, uh, although I haven't been able to get this kind of cross-referenced uh, either, is the the situation regarding a fee. There's been some rumours that it could be around €12 million Euro option uh, to then sell Marquinhos at the end of that loan, or maybe an obligation, depending on certain uh, kind of appearance quotas and things like that. With then a buyback clause also inserted into it. Arsenal do like Marquinhos. They do rate the player. That's why they signed him not so long ago, uh, just over a year ago, in fact. But uh, he could yet leave for Nantes on a permanent deal at the end of the 23-24 season if they choose to activate a potential option. But we'll get that confirmed and then we can discuss it as and when we get that information. Kieran Tierney is said to be wanted by Real Sociedad on loan. Larial, of course, have bought Arsenal left-backs in the past. They're the ones that took Nacho Monreal off our hands uh, many years ago prior to his final years in his career. Uh, but Kieran Tierney is said to be a player that Real Sociedad wants to take on loan. They see uh, this is a potential option if Arsenal are unable to find a buyer for Tierney and want to see him continue to maintain his value at the club. Now, Kieran Tierney, as we know, has been an asset to Arsenal for quite some time, um, as we know, and he's a very well-liked player amongst the Arsenal squad. But his situation does make things difficult. The benefit that Arsenal have is that he has a contract that runs through until 2026. I think that what people are going to contradict themselves on, on the Kieran Tierney thing, is that there are complaints that Arsenal don't give enough minutes to players and then sell them on the cheap. And then there are complaints that we shouldn't be allowing a player like Kieran Tierney to leave on loan. I see both sides of this and you can't have your cake and eat it in this scenario. We can't complain that Tierney wouldn't be given enough minutes by Arteta and then his value significantly drops and then we can't get a good fee for him and then be against the idea of if we've got Timber and Zinchenko and Tomiyasu and Kivior who can all play at left back that leaving Tierney to kind of, you know, not get enough minutes, his value drops with just two years left on his contract, that then if they sent him on loan for a season, he'd maintain that minute, he'd keep his value high and Arsenal could then make a better decision on him in 2024. That would potentially be an option. It does seem that Arsenal would prefer to sell Tierney this summer if they can get a good enough fee. But so far, there has not been significant interest at the level of figure that Arsenal would be looking to sell the player for. So that's the situation, it seems, with Kieran Tierney right now. Moving to Jorginho, and despite suggestions in Turkey suggesting that there are clubs that want to sign him and he'd be open to leaving, Sam Dean of The Telegraph reporting yesterday that the Italian international has absolutely no interest or intention of leaving Arsenal, and it is indeed his prerogative to try and stay and fight for his place. So, seems Jorginho, despite some reports suggesting he could leave, he has no intention, apparently, of leaving at all. Some good news regarding Matt Turner now, uh, with suggestions that the figure is not going to be £7 million, but instead is going to be ten. Million pounds. Nottingham Forest will buy Matt Turner, it seems, for 10 million. Uh, he completed a medical yesterday, is the understanding, uh, at the city ground, or well, at the training ground, and he'll play next season at the city ground. 
Does this mean that he will start the first game of the season against Arsenal? We will have to wait and see. But that is Nottingham Forest next game. It could be that Matt Turner makes his Premier League debut against Arsenal, which would be very, very interesting indeed if that turns out to be the case. But £10 million for Matt Turner, I think, is a good price. I think it gets Arsenal the profit thereafter just, uh, just after a single year. I've seen a lot of contradictory statements about Turner. People saying that he's not good enough to be an Arsenal goalkeeper and then complaining that we can't get a good fee for him despite the fact that he's not played too much for us. I would have loved to get more than £10 million, but I did say that I'd love to get into double figures and we've managed to do that, it seems, for Matt Turner after just a single year and barely any minutes in an Arsenal shirt. So £10 million, absolutely a positive for Arsenal, Edu and an improvement on the sales reputation of the club. And David Rea continue with negotiations for the club. Arsenal will look to try and get, of course, just under that £30 million valuation. Well, I mean, Brentford supposedly had a £40 million valuation on Rea, but it could be that Arsenal end up getting the player for less than £30 million, which would mean that Matt Turner would represent a greater than a third of that fee paid for already. Um, with the investment of Forrest in that. So negotiations for David Rea continue and there is expected to be um, a, a breakthrough in this very, very soon, which is obviously a good thing. Uh, Mohamed Kudus still very much on the radar for Arsenal. However, the talk about a deal with Brighton continues to go on and we still are waiting for a resolution of this. The player is said not to have so far agreed a deal with Brighton. Brighton have, though, however, agreed a deal with Ajax. We're still waiting to find out whether or not he will indeed make that decision to move to Brighton. But right now, no agreement is in place with the Premier League side. I have that sneaking suspicion that he does want to wait indeed for Arsenal or somebody else. But I think what is important to remember right now is that Arsenal have not made, to our understanding, a bid for Mohamed Kudus. We have not made a bid so far. There's been suggestions that talks have gone on behind the scenes for quite some time. But so far, regarding Arsenal and Ajax, we've not seen a bid go in. Will we see that today? We'll keep you informed. And of course, we'll talk about this in greater depth tomorrow if there is any updates on the Kudus situation. But the fact that he's not agreed that deal with Brighton, despite the fact that Brighton have agreed a deal with Ajax, I think is a big, big indication that it seems that Kudus is waiting to see what will happen with another team. Now, Ajax want this deal to be done. They have agreed the deal. They want it completed. But the problem is, is that Sven Mizentat has already come out and said, if this deal does not get done quickly, you know, we will start upping the price tag. And that makes things difficult for Brighton. It will make things harder for other clubs like Arsenal. So if Arsenal want the guy, they're going to have to jump on this pretty darn quickly. And lastly, our headline story, Monaco have had a bid for Balogun rejected. Now, we have not been made aware of how much that bid from the Liga side was. All that it was is that after Arsenal's game against Monaco on Wednesday, a verbal offer was made to sign following Balogun, which was rejected. Inter Milan, of course, remains to be the key figure in these negotiations and the main club that are interested in Balogun is very open to that move to Inter Milan. However, we're yet to see that official bid come in from Inter. Arsenal are, it seems, looking to try and get as much money as possible, upwards of £35 million. There had been suggestions that £50 million was the valuation. I've said on the channel for some time, I think that valuation is a little bit 
you know, up in the air, let's say. And I think certainly Arsenal will end up getting a figure that is in the 30 to 40 million pound bracket for Balogun. Um, but let's wait and see on this. But so far, the only official bid that we've had come in seems to be from Monaco and it has been rejected at this stage. But we don't know how much that bid was. Right, let's go to part two and your questions right after this. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right then, uh, what I can tell you, of course, is that still there are tickets available for our event that takes place on Sunday, uh, the Sunday this week, the day after the game against Nottingham Forest. If you're in the London area or you're able to come down to the London area next Sunday, uh, join myself, Harry Simeon, FK, Mike Feinberg, Bailey Keogh at the Mild May Club. Very much looking forward to this event and uh, to see so many of our listeners in the crowd and in the audience. It's going to be a great evening. And I look forward to seeing so many of you there. Tickets still available. Scan the code. Go to the link in the description to find your way to the ticket site. Right. Let's go. Uh, Greg says, Tom, surely if Kieran Tierney's loan is an option, it would be need to be a Premier League loan to maintain his value. Greg, why? My question would be why? Why would he need to make, go to a Premier League team to maintain his value, considering that players bought that have performed really well in La Liga and places on the continent cost huge amounts of money. So why would he have to go to another Premier League team to maintain his value when clubs in the Premier League pay so much to a, you know teams on the continent for their players as well? I don't think he would have to go to a Premier League club at all. He just needs to go somewhere where he can play at a good level and play consistently and get regular minutes as well. Uh, Sam says 50 million uh, minimum, even if that's 45 with add-ons. Sorry, Hoyland went for 50 uh, right and got nine goals. Balogun got how many? Again, I've talked about this at length, the difference between the Hoyland deal and the Balogun deal. There is so many differences between the two, and there's a reason why Hoyland went for what he went for. One of the big reasons is Man United overpaid, just like they did with Anthony. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you can then quantify getting more for Balogun. And if Arsenal don't get that amount of money, it means they've done badly in the market. Arsenal are dealing with the market they have for Balogun. And right now, the market that they have for Balogun is not good. If we end up selling Balogun in this window for around £35 million, which is what I've been saying for quite some time around this deal, it is going to be down to the fact that the market was simply not there. The alternative is keeping him for another season. He then has a year left on his contract, having barely played for Arsenal. His value is going to be even lower. You can't quantify a comparison with Hoyland when there are so many factors which dictate that it just doesn't match up in that way. Um, Louis says, uh, not necessarily. It doesn't work like that in terms of finances, but it can be an aspect based on squad numbers. What was that in response to? I'm very curious. 
Um, Kiel says, I don't think we will get Kudus. We don't need him either. Um, interesting. I think we do. I think we really, really do need a Mohamed Kudus to bring that competition to the right wing slot and at centre forward. And he can play attack in midfield as well. We absolutely need to bring, uh, need to bring in another versatile forward that can play on the right-hand side, in my opinion. Um K. Dotway says, around this time of year, we tend to see initiation videos of new players signing in front of the first team. What would be your song of choice if you had to perform an initiation song? Uh, I have been asked this. I was asked this before. I was at a social event recently, and uh, I chose Mountain at My Gates by Foles, mainly because Foles, outside of drum and bass, are like the only real band that aren't drum and bass that I listen to on a regular occasion. They're an English band, alternative rock type band, and yeah, um, Mountain at My Gates by Foles would would be the song. So if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's a great track. Uh, Gouda Jake says, Tom, do you think that it's risky allowing Turner to leave without having agreed a fee with Brentford? Not necessarily. I think it'll be fine. Um, sure, there might be some associated risk, but I think it's going to be fine. I don't think the club would have sanctioned that deal if they weren't very confident of getting the David Raya deal done. Amira says, other than based on the opposition we're facing... How much do you think the lineup will depend on partnerships? Trossard starts at left wing over Martinelli. So might Kieran Tilly due to their playing styles. Uh, it's a really good question, actually, asking about kind of partnerships and how that dictates the team being picked. And if one player starts, does that mean you have to start another player because they suit that player better? So if you swap out Saka, do you bring in Timber at right back or somebody else? Because Saka has a great relationship with White. And if what you know, if Saka's not there, is White as good? I still think he would be. I don't think it's like one without the other. I think there's scope to use players together. Like I think Trossard and Martinelli actually have some really, really good partnerships. When Trossard is at centre forward, Martinelli plays really, really well, as shown by the games against Leicester and Fulham, etc. So I do think there is scope still um for that to happen. And I want to see that happen. I want to see Trossard given time at centre forward as well. But uh Let's not make any mistakes about the fact that uh, some partnerships do exist. I don't think they dictate, though, whether or not players start yet, at this stage at least. Uh, Clock Orange says, Tom, do you expect fringe players like holding Tavares, Sambi to all leave in the last weeks of the window? Yes. And it's something that I have said since the start of the window. Players like Rob Holding, like Nicolas Pepe, like Cedric, like Tavares, like Lukonga are the types of players that clubs will move for once they have unfortunately missed out on primary targets and they are moving down their list because they're not going to be only clubs in for a certain target. Clubs compete for certain targets. And so if you miss out on a player, you have to go down your list of alternatives. And Arsenal have a number of players that are amongst lists of alternatives with clubs. And so, yes, as I've said for quite some time, I do expect these players to move on toward the end of the window which we are now in because we're in august so it is now the end part of the window dave says tom have you watched 442's assessment of how rice dominated city's midfield no but i will make a note of that dave and i will intend to watch that as soon as feasibly possible uh dan says would you sell both balligan and ketty and replace them with another striker if that other striker was someone like randall colo moani absolutely if it was somebody like vlaovic probably not i don't think vlaovic is the striker that I'd like to see. And some people might say, you're mad. You wouldn't swap Nketiah for Vlaovic. The reason why I'm saying no is because if we swap them for Vlaovic, it means you are then stuck with Vlaovic. And I would rather be more patient and go and get a striker that genuinely is an upgrade rather than filling that spot with somebody that's got a lot of question marks about them. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom, what do you think of United rejecting 30 million and 20 million in the bids for McTominay and Maguire? Also, they might come in for flow. They need a striker. I don't think they do. They've now got Hoyland. So I think that Hoyland, Rashford, uh, Martial still there. 
I think Martial's still there. I think that's more than enough um, for Man United, in, in fact. So I don't think they'll come back in for, for Flo. McTominay and Maguire, if you offered me 50 million for those two, I'm snapping your arm off for it personally. I think that is a great deal, but maybe I'm... I'm undervaluing. People like to say I undervalue players, so maybe I'm doing that again. Uh, Matt says, Tom, what did you make of Raphael Varane's comments about footballers playing too many minutes? I agreed with uh, a response to that uh, that I saw. Uh, let me find out where it was. Ah, oh, why can't I remember his name when I absolutely need to? Uh, I did quote tweet the tweet. Let me find the reply because it summed up absolutely everything I thought about Dale Johnson of ESPN quoted Raphael Varane. So Raphael, for those that have not seen it, let me read you Raphael Varane's tweet. Varane said, we had a meeting last week with the FA. They recommended from the referees new decisions and rules. From the managers and players, we have shared our concerns for many years now that there are too many games. The schedule is overcrowded and it's at a dangerous level for players' physical and mental well-being. Despite our previous feedbacks, they have now recommended for next season's for longer games, more intensity and less emotions to be shown by players. What he means by that is the whole um, kind of the celebration side of things when goals are scored and condensing those celebrations down and stuff like that. Um, he continues by saying, we just want to be in good condition on the pitch and give 100% to our club and fans. Why are our opinions not being heard? As a player, I feel very privileged to do the job that I love every day, but I feel these changes are damaging our game. We want to be at our maximum level, the best we can be, and put on amazing performances for fans to celebrate every week. I believe it is important that we, players and managers, highlight these important issues as we want to protect the game we love and give the fans our best. Now, Dale Johnson of ESPN, who's uh, fantastic with kind of referee breakdowns of decisions, analyzing whether the right VAR calls are made or not, um, who is critical of referees and supportive of them. So he's got that balanced point of view. He tweeted in response saying, if players stop wasting time and showing dissent towards the officials, there won't be extensive added time. This is the whole point of the IFAB directive. It's not the FAs. So players stop wasting time, ball in play time increases, added time reduces, back down and this is the position that I personally hold on this for me I completely respect the fact that Varane has raised these concerns about the the additional intensity the additional minutes that players are going to be expected to be on the field but the entire point of these longer games and these extended fixtures and the extra added time is to prevent time wasting from happening it's to prevent uh, teams from exploiting the refereeing situation so that fans are delivered more football that they have paid to go and see and that they have traveled to go and see or that they've paid their TV subscriptions to watch. And at the moment, what has happened is, is that the extension of games through time wasting or rather the removal of the football being actually played due to time wasting has to be tackled has to be curbed and the best way to try and curb that is to extend injury time or another potential option is of course the stopped clock so the stopped clock could be another example i've been to plenty of rugby games and seen that be an effective tool to curb time wasting and it does work what i would also say is that there was a feeling that at the world cup if you remember the world cup was uh in um uh in qatar last year at the end of 2022, we saw that there was loads of additional time in the group stage games. And then in the knockout games, you gradually saw that additional time start dropping and dropping and dropping. 
And gradually it had an impact because players weren't time-wasting because they knew that those minutes were going to be added on at the end of the game. And I tell you what, I, for one, was very, very thankful that the appropriate amount of time due to time-wasting and, you know, the ball not being in play for the amount of time that it should have been, that Arsenal were given eight, I think it was eight added minutes at the end of the game against Manchester City. And then, of course, there was that head injury that was almost Partey sustained, so that added another two and a half, three and a half minutes to the fixture. And thankfully, because of that correct amount of added time, Arsenal were able to equalise, win on penalties and win the trophy. So this is the way forwards for now. And the idea is that it will condense down and gradually this, these 100-minute games will begin to diminish and diminish and diminish. Um, so the idea is that, you know, that gradually there won't be as much extra minutes being played. I agree with Dale. And I say to people like Varane and others that, you know, that agree with this point of view, as long as the players stop time-wasting and if the players stop doing this, then yeah. I also had a conversation with Leif, you probably saw on social media as well. I disagree with the point of view about kind of the fans or not caring about the fans' view of things because obviously if games are extended, that makes it more likely that fans might miss transport. For me, it's not a case of one or the other. I think both issues should be tackled. Fixtures should be made accessible at accessible times for fans of travelling clubs. So if Arsenal, a team that typically play in the more southern end of England, play a team like Newcastle, that that game is on an early stage. So if Arsenal ever play Newcastle, it's an early kickoff. If a North team plays a South team, it's an early kickoff. If a if two Midlands teams are playing, if two Northern teams are playing, if two Southern teams are playing, make them the evening kickoffs. Put those at evening times. So it makes it easier for fans to access that. It's not a case of one or the other. I think we can tackle both things with these strategies. So that's what I think needs to take place. Um, and that was a really long answer, but it was a long answer because it needed to be a long answer. Uh, K.Way, thank you so much for becoming a brand new member of the channel. Welcome to the TGT family. Um, Guna John John says, Tom, and thank you for the donation, my friend. Uh, most fans are clamoring for a different type of striker. But I'm starting to believe that Arteta likes his false nines with the current options that he has. They just bring different qualities. What are your thoughts? I think that the idea that if you add an Erling Haaland to Arsenal, suddenly Arsenal turn into a side that score more goals than they've ever scored before. But the fact of the matter is, is that last season, Arsenal scored with 88, the most Premier League goals they have ever scored. And they didn't have a single striker in that team that scored more than 11 Premier League goals. Jesus got 11, then Ketia got four. Um, Trossard, I think, got uh, one. I think he scored one against Brentford. I'm trying to think of when he scored any more. I think he got one, but he got a lot of assists. And the idea is that we got 88 goals last season because the goals were spread throughout the team. Now, if you look at Manchester City, Haaland scores a large percentage of Manchester City's goals. They score still plenty of goals throughout that side. Julian Alvarez gets goals, who, by the way, is the other striker as well, of course. But they're not scoring as much as they were previously when they had someone like Jesus in that squad. De Bruyne scored more. Grealish would score more. Foden would score more. Silva would score more. Mares would score more. You know, so actually having Haaland diminishes the goals from outside of that striker position. And in the Arsenal team, we play a slightly different way. And instead, the goals are more shared. And, you know, Saka and Odegaard and Martinelli and Trossard, you know, uh, are designed to score more goals because of it. The striker may not score as many as an Erling Haaland, but overall, the goals are still there. So I think that Arteta's false nine system works. I think that it's the way forwards. And I don't think we necessarily need an out-and-out traditional number nine that will get you 30 goals. I think that will have a detrimental impact potentially on goals from outside. Or 
not a detrimental impact in terms of Arsenal's efficiency to score goals, but in terms of the number of goals that we score. But I don't think it would be such a dramatic increase in the number of goals that we score that needs for people to clamour desperately for us to go and get another striker. Answer says, Tom, don't you think the selling of Balogun for 35 million should include a buyback and sell-on clause? The likelihood is that it will include a sell-on clause. I'm almost certain it will. Buyback would reduce the fee, I think, even further. You'd be looking at under £30 million if there was a buyback clause inserted into that deal. So it depends what you want. If you want a buyback clause, you're going to have to accept that you're going to have to get less money. And it's a big risk to accept less money because Balogun has only really had one good season. And so there is a risk that what we saw last season is not going to be sustainable at a bigger side in a bigger league. We don't know that. It's a big unknown. And that's why clubs maybe aren't willing to invest huge amounts. It's one of the big reasons why I think Jonathan David, a player that has scored pretty consistently in Liga, is not being clamoured for by clubs, is not seeing teams like PSG spending big money or uh, Man United spending big money, even though he's scoring at a good rate in Liga. Instead, they've gone for Ramos or they've gone for Hoyland. It's not a slight on Liga. It's the reality that unless the player is identified by the biggest and best clubs, and in the case of Victor Ozymen, who was also at Lille, of course, Napoli felt that that profile of player would have worked and that it suited them. And so they signed him for huge money and that's proven to be right. And so it's, is Balogun going to be an Ozymen or is he going to be somebody that doesn't necessarily find their way abroad? You know, I think I remember Kevin Gamero, for instance, moving to uh, Spain and not necessarily being the player that they thought he was when he was in France. Ben Yedda, uh, another player as well we saw move abroad, didn't necessarily reach the higher heights, went back to the France, has become one of the best strikers in Liga once again. It's very difficult to know how that would work. And that's potentially why player, clubs aren't willing to risk 50-odd million quid on Balogun at this stage of his career. Um, Anna says, I'm about the time wasting. Uh, James McNicholas said his friend once told him it's a leverage weak teams can have against stronger ones, making games more equal and exciting. I think it's a valid point. Um, I guess in, I'd have to back, I assume it was said on the Ars cast, uh, which I haven't been able to catch up with yet, sadly, because I've been mega busy. Um, but uh, I'd have to hear the words of James to get the context. Uh, I'm sure he made a very good point. He does usually. Um, Cody says, is there also a referee dissent rule being brought in this season? If so, Nandes will finally get a red card for his terrible behaviour towards the referees. I think there is obviously a great scrutiny on dissent. We saw Partey and Alvarez both booked for dissent. Um, a kick Microphone issues. Sorry, hopefully that's now working fine. Um, but yes, I, I think we saw on Sunday that this also happened. Um, and Partey and, and Alvarez got uh, kind of, you know, booked for dissent, if you like. So it should be, should be okay. And I think that we will see a greater scrutiny of it as well. Um, let's go to... Uh, Kirill says, Tom, good morning. Why are people even on the athletic? They're always so negative. Why can't people be patient at least and give players six months? Um, I don't think the athletic's negative at all. I think it's I think it provides, you know, very good balanced views. I think James provides lots of balanced views as well. Um, I don't think it's about being impatient at all. Uh, I think that actually there has been a lot of patience um shown. You know, a lot of patience indeed shown regarding Arsenal over the last decade plus. We are asking for more. 
Uh, and that's just the, the way that football works. So there you go. Um, Fabrizio has just tweeted about Balogun, but it's not any new information, sadly. Uh, let's go to Louis says, wouldn't reduced buyback be an easier way for us to agree a lower amount in our regards? So we want 50 and Inter want to pay 35. Can't we do 35 plus a 10 million buyback? 10 million buyback. I don't think that would be what we would get. You have to pay more than what you sell the player for. The buyback would be something like 70 or 80 million. Think about Tammy Abraham sold for 35, I think it was by Chelsea to Roma and the buyback clause was like 80 million pounds. That's how buybacks work. It's not like you have to pay 10 million and you get the payer back. It doesn't, doesn't work that way uh, at all. Um, let's go to Kervin says, it's not about the number of goals, but critical goals when you desperately need one, which a top striker gives you. I'm pretty sure that we saw Jesus score at Anfield. We saw him score in the North London Derby. Let me just have a quick check on that other goals because I'm sure I'm going to forget some um, but certainly I remember him scoring uh, at Anfield and I remember him scoring in the North London Derby as well let's have a quick check on other goals that he scored last season um, boom 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 scored against Wolves scored against Chelsea at home away against Liverpool two against Leeds uh, one away to West Ham United uh, we saw, as I say, one against Tottenham, one away against Brentford, which is no <laughs> easy feat at all. One against Aston Villa and two goals and two assists against Leicester. So, you know, this guy does pop up in big games and we have got a striker that scores in big games. Could he be more clinical? Yeah, sure, he could. But we've also got players like Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard that also score in big games. So, you know, I don't think... Um, at all that we should be worrying. And Kish makes the point that says Jesus scored 11 in 26. Had he been fit for all 38 games, surely he'd be hitting about 18 or 22 across the whole season. And I do tend to agree. Uh, Pini Wins, is, is there any truth in the room that I've just made up about Arsenal definitely loaning Mbappe for a season? No, no truth in that at all. Uh, Walk says, when will there be accountability for the refs? Do they not see their unfairness causes players to react? I would like to see more accountability at the same time for referees. I think we did see that last season. You saw that with what happened with Lee Mason after the uh, calamitous mistake that was made between Arsenal and Brentford with that VAR goal that was not ruled out for offside. So there is greater accountability being brought in for officials, but I still think there is potentially that needs... But we need more. We need more accountability and more scrutiny on referees at the same time that we are bringing more scrutiny onto players. It should go both ways. It should be a two-way street. Uh, Emmanuel says, if Arsenal must win any silverware this season, we must sign a proper number nine like Harry Kane or Victor Osman. I think I've tackled this enough now. You know, I've tried to explain to the best of my abilities, certainly, that at this point in time, Arsenal don't categorically need that traditional Kane or uh, Aussie men-style striker to score a lot of goals. As I said, without that last season, with Jesus even out for the for three months or longer of the campaign, we still scored more Premier League goals than we've ever scored before. More Premier League goals than when Thierry Henry was at this club. So let's not pretend like not having someone like that is ultimately not going to bring you the record goal-scoring amount for your entire team. So... Yeah, there you go. Uh, I too, Dennis, am quite tired of the striker talk. I'd love to bring in another forward. I'd like it to be a versatile one that could bring us some depth at right wing as well. And I'd love to see us bring in another option to compete with Jesus more competitively. Sure, no problem with that whatsoever. But the idea that just signing an amazing striker solves all of Arsenal's goal problems, which I don't even think exist, um, you know, I, I just think is is not 
realistic at all. Um, let's go to uh, Gaza for Life, says um, uh, Tom, what do you think about uh, a whisper who will sign from Chelsea? Duj- I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is, Gaza for Life. I'm sorry, Dujan Whisper. Never, never heard of him. Um, Phil says, uh, with our current squad depth, who do you think will be left out of the squad against Forest? Um, it's big, isn't it? We've got a big squad, so holding, probably. I mean, we've got a few injuries still. Jorginho, we don't know if he's going to be fit. Zinchenko, we don't know if he's going to be fit. Jesus is injured at the moment. Um, so those guys are definitely out. Reese Nelson, we don't know if he's going to be fit, although he's back in training. So those guys are probably the obvious ones. And you've got Tavares, Cedric, Lukonga, holding, as you've mentioned, Pepe. So loads of players can still certainly be left out of the squads at this moment in time. Um, Dujuan Sterling. Oh, uh, let's have a quick look at who this is. Uh, Dujon Sterling. Okay. Uh, he plays for Rangers, 23 year olds. Um, what did he do last season? Where, what position does he play? He plays as a right back and lot well, he can play in a lot of positions, apparently, uh, right back, left back, right mid, left mid. Um, but last, oh, he played for Stoke last season, but he was, was he on loan? I'm assuming he was on loan or is it, he says he's a new arrival. Hold on. Did he move there this season? Well, if he moved there this season, then we got no chance. Yes, it looks like he moved. He moved from Chelsea's on a 21s to Rangers on a free. So we won't be signing him <laughs> if that's who you're talking about. Uh, let's go to Lovemore, who says, I think Balogun's character uh, over his talent is hindering his entry into the team. No one can ask for guaranteed places. What do you think? Again, something I have tackled. I think that his comments that he made in America weren't the best. You know, saying that he doesn't have to prove himself or try extra hard. These aren't things you really want to hear. A player that has to kind of make a, a an indent in the Arsenal team saying you don't want to hear those types of things. If there is an expectation, if there is an expectation that um, Arsenal will uh, be kind of, uh, I don't know what the right way to put this is. If there is an expectation from Balogun that he feels that he should be in the Arsenal starting eleven right now, that's not fair on the squad or Arteta. Um, and also, I think it's not fair on players like Jesus or Nketiah that do try extra hard. That Nketiah is one of the hardest um, trainers in the Arsenal squad. So it, it's difficult to quantify it, but the words that we heard from, from Balogun in America didn't really help his situation. I personally don't think, and I think that certainly had an impact on maybe what Arteta's um, mindset was. I'm, speculating i'm assuming but you know that's that's kind of what i think about it and i also don't think that he's done enough to say even like from what he did last season at, at ron's like i don't i don't think that he is I, I just don't think he's he's done enough to say that yeah he should be starting for arsenal um next season i just don't uh let's go to boom 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 Fuad says what happens to holding and kt this window do you think i think holding will eventually go um but there's always a chance that he might not and kieran tierney still there's not loads of interest but it seems that Raul sostad loan thing is very much true and we'll see if that turns into something real i do see the the, the benefit in a loan for tierney i know a lot of people won't see it immediately but i think there is i don't think you can moan about arteta's handling of players and not giving them enough minutes and then moan that a player isn't then sent out on loan when there are four other left backs that we currently have at the club as well 
Um, let's go to why is this conversation? This conversation is going on in the chat. Let's have a look and see what's being talked about. Uh, but I can't see the reply, uh, sadly. Um, let's. I'm going to have to move on because I can't see what it is. I can jump in on this one. Esmond says, one thing is enough for me. Havertz has been good since he joined us. He has a great partnership with Erdegaard. That will get better and better. Havertz can even relieve Erdegaard if needed. Yeah, he could come into that number 10 position. Of course, I did find it really strange, the the assessment some had of Havertz's community shield performance because it was a good performance. Um, I think they saw him, you know, the two chances that he had, the first one, really difficult one. The ball was played in behind him and he still managed to swivel and get the shot away. Really unlucky. The second one as well, uh, Ruben Diaz does get a foot to it and it's on his weaker foot. And I think because he didn't score either of those two chances, immediately it was kind of like, it's crazy and, you know, all I can do is focus on those two missed chances and now he must have had a bad performance. But actually, he had a very good performance. What I would also say is something I didn't really notice on the day and that I've been able to watch back is that Eddie Nketiah, when he came on, was really good. And I don't think many people are talking about this. Eddie Nketiah came on, he got a couple of long balls played up to him that he controlled really, really well, was progressive in what he wanted to do and offered us something, offered a bit of energy. And I think actually showed some really good competition for Havertz in that role. So maybe... People should go back and watch Eddie Nketiah's contribution when he came off the bench against City. He looked really good. So uh, I would encourage you to go back and, uh, and watch Eddie's contribution once he came off the bench uh, in a more specific closed analysis, if you can go back and do that. Um, Massa Bulele says, good morning, Tom. Assuming that we get Raya, what would be the only missing piece in Arsenal's puzzle? For me, it's a versatile forward. Again, that I've said before, I think you can play in right wing, could play centre forward potentially. I think that versatile forward is something that we could still look to bring in. Uh, Prog says, I reckon there's anything in the Ansu Fatty rumours. The only rumours that there are right now, Prog, is that uh, apparently Barca are open to selling him. I've not heard anything regarding Arsenal being open to looking at him. All I've heard is that Barca are apparently open to allowing him to leave. Would he be a, a good wide player that can play through the middle as well? It's worth pointing out. Maybe. Uh, he's a bit of a revival project. Again, a little bit similar to Havertz. He's not had the best time uh, at Barca recently, but there's no denying what the brilliant talent Ansu Fati had prior to a number of really bad injuries. And that is also another factor is that can you risk the idea that that bringing in Ansu Fati would not see an investment in a player that's got some significant injury concerns. So that's also something to, to worry about as well. Um, let's go to Ian says, how many goals Havertz needs to score for him to be called a successful player this season? And is Eddie a third choice striker? Very uh, intentional from Mikel Arteta, maybe the horses for course. I do think it's a bit of that. I do think it's still a bit up in the air. I still don't think we know 100% what we're going to see from players this season in terms of where they might play. If Havertz is going to play where Xhaka played the majority of the time he's there, then I think aiming to get as many as, if not more than Granite Xhaka. You know, we said Xhaka had a brilliant season getting seven goals and five assists. So surely we would be saying that about Havertz as well if he came into that role, maybe hopefully get slightly more. If he plays at centre forward, you've got to try and absolutely get into double digits, but it depends again on how many games that he plays in that position. We've got so much competition, it's difficult to put like minimum targets because you just don't know how many games players are going to get. And that's just a fact of having so many competitive options in so many different positions. And that's a good problem to have at the same time um it would be an expensive flop you're absolutely right sam if Havertz doesn't work out and that's the risk that the club have taken hopefully it does work out and i says jacka played almost every single match exactly uh, and i don't think Havertz will because we've got way more competition now for places 
Uh, I think we are probably going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for tuning in. It's very much appreciated. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you uh, tomorrow morning. We'll catch up, of course, for any more on Arsenal news that breaks today. I will be live at 10. I know I wasn't yesterday. It's because I was in the office. But uh, I will be live at 10 on the Arsenal way with Umar. So do come and join me and Umar for a good chat about all the latest Arsenal stuff uh, that we've talked about today and more. Uh, do drop a like subscribe and if you are in the london area next sunday make sure you come along to our live podcast pinny ween saying there see you all at the mild may club uh, which you can find us at 5 p.m doors open 6 p.m the show starts next sunday or this sunday coming uh with some fantastic guests so please please do come along link in the description or scan that qr code on your screen to take you to the tickets page thank you for listening very much enjoy all of you tuning in we will see you again very soon and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.